0: You are listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times, and how you can connect, please visit CrosspointChurchTX.org. Well, it's football season. And, uh, yeah, exciting. Maybe. It depends on who your team is, I guess. And, uh, anyway, there's a story about a young man who's wealthy, He's a politician and he's religious. He's grown up in a religious home and he hears the stories of Jesus. He hears the stories of, of what Jesus is doing, of the stories that he's teaching, the teachings that he's doing and the, the authority and the miracles that are happening. And so one day, because he's a good religious guy and he wants to go to heaven, he wants to have a relationship with God on another level. He goes and he sits down before Jesus and he says, hey, teacher, you're a good teacher and I want to know what I need to do to etern- earn eternal life. And so Jesus, doing what a good teacher does and what Jesus did consistently, he turned his question and he asked him a question. He says, how do you know that I'm good? Which made the young man think for a little bit. And then while he was thinking, Jesus responded and he said, this is how you can earn eternal life. Follow the commandments. And he said, hey, do not murder, do not steal, do not lie, do not cheat, and kind of listen all of them off. If you do those things, you will earn eternal life. Well, the young man said, well, I've already done all those things. I've grown up in and around church. I'm religious. I've followed all of those things as a young man all the way up until today. I've never crossed any of those lines or any of those paths in a bad way. I am extremely religious. Jesus says, well, if that's true, then the next thing that you need to do is you need to sell all of your possessions and then come follow me. Well, the young man was extremely wealthy and had spent a lot of time on his On his money and had worked that up and so that's one thing that kind of had put him in a position of authority His image his everything that he was about was about built up because of the fact that he had great wealth And so the scripture tells us that he was saddened by the fact that that was the requirement that jesus had for him I think the reason that jesus had that requirement for him was because that was his idol in his life That was the very thing that gave him worth ...and value, and Jesus said, if you truly want eternal life, if you truly want to be a follower of me, you've got to give up that thing there... ...that's a stumbling block for you, that you've raised up so that people will look at you and applaud you, you need to give that away. Because the guy asked the question, what do I still lack? He said, what you need to get rid of is this idol. And so the young man, it tells us that he walked away sad because he couldn't give up. He couldn't make such a radical decision to give up his possessions and then to follow Jesus... One of the things about being a follower of Jesus is that there are times where God will ask us to make some radical decisions. And the reason that he wants us to do some radical things on the outside is because he knows that it will lead to heart transformation on the inside. And so for this young man, it wasn't just about the money. It was about the fact that Jesus wanted to do some heart transformation on him. And he wouldn't be able to do that if he still was able to run back to the very thing that he thought gave him worth and value and satisfaction. So he had to get rid of those things so that he could truly follow Jesus and go to the places that Jesus had for him to go. And the same thing is true for us, is that the Ten Commandments aren't things that we just check off on, but that there are guardrails and directions for us that we know how to love God and to worship God and how to love our neighbors. And those things guide us. And there's some external things that we have to give up along the way so that the heart transformation can happen and move us in the direction of Jesus Even in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, Paul tells us, he says, that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to put it before us, to move us in the direction of where Jesus was at. And and Jesus even tells us that in Matthew chapter 5. He says this, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. In some of your translation, it'll say even one dot of the I won't be erased or one little crossing of the T won't be changed. Okay, That that is the smallest detail. Don't misunderstand why I, Jesus, have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose or bring them to fulfillment. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys the, king, the God's laws and teaches them, they will be called great in the kingdom of God. Here in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, Jesus teaches us to live the commands. That we are to live them out. That this is what moves us in the direction. This is what it, again, looks like to love God and to love our neighbors as we live out these commands. And the only way that we can live them out is if we know them, by studying them, and by obeying them. First reason, why should we study the Ten Commandments? One is because we get to know who God is. The one who gave us the law, he gave it out of his heart and his character and his mind. So as we study the Ten Commandments, we get to know who God is, his character and his heart. The second reason we should study the Ten Commandments is because we live in a world where we need to have some ethical standing. I teach one of the classes I teach in college is an ethics class. And it's interesting to me to see how much things are some things, many things are not black and white anymore, but we live in a world of grays. And because of these world of grays, basically what it is, is that we draw a circle around ourselves now, and if it fits here in my circle, then that is the right thing to do. And if my circle bumps into your circle, well, then my rights overwhelm your rights, and I am right, you're wrong. And we see it all over, right? We see it in Facebook, Instagram, all these different places. And so one of the reasons that is is because we have gone from some black and whites to everything is gray. And in particular, your gray and mine is black and white. And if it overcomes yours, then I'm sorry, you're wrong. And that's kind of the world that we live in. And so here, Jesus, and through the Ten Commandments, we understand that there are some absolutes There's there are some places. Yes, there are grays in life, but there are also some absolutes. And for us to understand how we can live life in an ethical way, one where we love God, but also how we respect other people in that way. When we love other people, when we love God, well, we fulfill those commands. Another reason to study the Ten Commandments is, again, what we just talked about, is it moves us in guardrails toward Jesus, to know him, to love him and to understand him. So why do we study the Ten Commandments? Let me put it another way, Jesus says. Let me put it another way. The law is our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right through faith. Again, that's Paul's writing to us about the guardrails of Jesus in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. So why study? For knowledge, for ethics, and how to do life with other people, and then also to be drawn to Jesus. Well, then why do we study him? So we can know Him to obey him. Listen, let's be honest. Whenever I talk about the Ten Commandments, most of you are going... Okay, let's see, I know I'm not supposed to kill, I know I'm not supposed to, but we struggle with maybe knowing all ten of them off the top of our heads. So if we know them and study them, then we can obey them. Some are easy. So why do we obey the Ten Commandments? Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. This is where we're going to camp today. So if you have your Bibles, open up there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. Then God gave all these people instructions. Now, all these people are the Hebrews that have come out of Egypt. So there's thousands upon thousands of people. God's been talking to Moses, okay, all the way up from Exodus 1 to chapter 19. He's been talking exclusively to Moses. But in chapter 19, he tells Moses, hey, you and I have had this great relationship, but I want to extend this great, great relationship beyond just you and I to all of the people that have brought out of Egypt. And so now when I'm talking, it's not just you and I, Moses, but it's, All of the people. And so the script has been flipped. It's been broadened. Okay. And so here in Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 and 2, God's talking to all the people that have come out of Egypt. And here's what he says. The God gave all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Why obey the commands? Because of who God is. The character is who he is. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, that brought you out of slavery. Again, as we study the commandments, as we study the scripture, we get to see the heart and character of God. We understand how we can love him and then also how we can love other people because of who God is. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 and 2 again. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. That word I am is the very same word that Moses, whenever he spoke to God in the burning bush way back in Exodus chapter 3, is the same word. I am. It's a personal covenant relationship God. So in that moment, Moses said, when I go to the people and tell them that you want to bring them out of slavery, you want to bring them out of Egypt, who am I to say that is giving these commands? And he says to him, the I am, the covenant relational personal God that will bring you through my strong arm will bring you to freedom. And so here again, he's reminding the people, Hey, the, I am the Lord, your God, the personal God, not just Moses God, but the, all of our God, we have a relationship when he's brought us from Egypt into freedom. So then we know who the God is. Who is this God to us? Exodus chapter 20, verse one and two, you see the pattern. We're going to keep going back. Then God said to the people, all these instructions, I am the Lord Your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. A personal God. He's your redeemer. He's your rescuer. He's your savior. He's brought you out of a place of slavery and sin to a place of freedom. He's moved you from that place to over here. He's changed your position. He's changed your condition. Over here, you're in slavery. You were tied down to the things that used to tie tie you down. Here's the interesting thing about this. Is it because he's your personal God, he's reached out to you, and each one of us in this room, before you've said yes to Jesus, each one of you, your Egypt is different. The things that tie you down, the things that are your slavery are your things. And in that moment, whenever you said, hey, I don't want to live in Egypt anymore, I'm tired of living in slavery, and you've said yes to Jesus, he's reached into your situation, I am the Lord, your God, and he's moved you from Egypt, and he's brought you over into freedom, and he's given you a gift. And that gift is Jesus. And so now what we're experiencing, what we're trying to work out is we know how to live under slavery. We know how to live in bondage. And now we're trying to figure out, as followers of Jesus, what it looks like to live in the land of freedom. It's like this thing that happens at Christmas. You give a child a gift, and they open it, and then what do they do? They go to the next gift. They're like... Oh, that's cool And then they go to the next gift Why? Because they see another present They see another gift Some of you do this in your own life Because you have this newfangled thing called a phone And in that phone there's all kinds of things And you think to yourself Wow, I see other people doing really cool things with their phone I wish I could do that But you don't put in the time and effort to study your phone, to read the instructions, to get the full benefit of the technology that's before you. So maybe you have computers that you've done the same thing with. This is how we experience life with Jesus many times, is that we've been brought from slavery. We've been tied down. Now we're brought to a new life. We've received the gift of Jesus Christ. And we're like, oh, that's cool. I'm a Christian. And we sense that we've got this little ticket to heaven or whatever it is you think that you've got. And you never pull the gift out of the box and truly read the instructions and understand that the bells and the whistles and all the different stuff. There might even be a little button that you push and money comes out, right? But you don't know that because you haven't read the instructions. And so all this is up. you don't fully experience everything that a God has for us, whether that's the gift or the phone or our relationship with Jesus Christ because we're afraid of whatever might be of the unknown over here. And God's saying, listen, I have come to give you a rich and a sustaining life, an abundant life, but you're tied down over here and you're, you don't like living over here, but you at least know it. Instead of coming over here to the gift that you've been giving and pulling it out and play with it. And listen, you may not fully understand it. There may be some things, there's some bells and whistles that you don't quite get, why they work and what they do. But keep examining it, keep playing with it, keep experiencing it. Because when you do, then you'll receive the rich and satisfying life that God has for you. Because he's brought you out of bondage into freedom. You once could not see, but now you can. You were once lost, your GPS wasn't working, it was recalculating, 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 now your GPS works. All these different things, all of that is because of what God did, but when you said yes, he moved you from your slavery, from your Egypt, to your place of freedom, and he has a gift for you in the salvation of Christ and life that is sustaining. So who are we? That's the thing that we're struggling with, is who are we? We still think. Sometimes the lies that we live in slavery and we're over in Egypt when it actually we're over here in the land of freedom. Then God says he gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord, your God, who rescued you from the land of slavery, rescued from the land of Egypt to the land of slavery. Once you were free, once you were slaves, but now you're free. Now, let's flip back to Exodus chapter 19. So before he gives them the laws, he tells them who they are. The gospel always comes before the law. So, right. So Exodus um, chapter 19, verse six says this. Now, if you obey me and keep my covenant, again, this relational God that we have, you will be my own special treasure. Okay. We're not junk. We're not slaves. We're not, t- we're not, there's not a whole bunch of the, we are a unique, one of a kind masterpiece. From among all the peoples on earth, from all the earth that belongs to me, of everything, you are a special treasure, one-of-a-kind masterpiece, and you will be my kingdom, priests, and a holy nation. He's redefining for us who we are and where we find our worth and our value. You are a special treasure, a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. You're not a slave anymore. You're not owned to those things. You're not bound by those things. And once you thought you were unholy, but now you are a kingdom of priests. You once were separated, but now as a kingdom of priests, you get to go into the holy of holies. You have the opportunity. There used to be only one guy once a year that can go into the Holy of Holies. But now, as my kingdom of priests, because of your relationship with God, you're only not only a special treasure, but you get to go into the Holy of Holies and have a one-on-one conversation and relationship with the creator of the universe. You are a priest and you are a holy nation. You think that you're unholy, but you are a holy nation and the freedom that Christ gives for us. Moses here is saying, listen, you are more than you realize. And Christ has given us that, that you are a special treasure, you're a holy nation, you're a kingdom of priests. And even Peter reminds us, as we constantly be reminded, that you're a chosen people, a royal priest, a royal nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, because that's the whole thing. That one of the things we even talked about last week is the remembrance of the fact that we once were blind, but now we see. And that's our story, that we constantly have to tell people, one, to to remind them of the goodness of God, but also to remind ourselves of where we've come from to where we are now. The goodness of God is, I once used to live in Egypt and I was once in slavery, but now I have this gift, and and I'm telling you about it, and I don't even fully understand everything there is about the gift, but I know that my life is different, my hope is different, my direction is different, my eyesight is different, I have all this different stuff is different because I'm not in Egypt anymore, and I want you to know that you have the opportunity to not be in Egypt and to have Christmas every single day because of who Jesus is and the gift that he's given me. You've been called out of this darkness into this wonderful light. I'm a Christian and I live these commands and I move forward. I've moved from dark to light. Now, who, where are we? We've moved from this slave to free to jump and all that. And Jesus tells us, he says, The people who believed in me, you are truly my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teachings, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The thing that many of us want is to be free. And Jesus says, listen. It's all right here. Open it up. Experience it. Know it. The things that you want to be free from. I've already freed you from Egypt. I've already freed you from their slavery. The only reason that you're still struggling is because you go back and dabble in it. I've given you the gift. Stay in the land and enjoy the gift I've given you. Experience it. Study it. Read the instructions. Know all about it. And in those moments when you're you're tempted to go back to what you know, which is slavery, but you really, really want to stay here... Pull out the gift and work at it, struggle at it, get to know it. Call someone else who's maybe a little bit further along with the gift and say, hey, whenever you got to this place in life, how did you stay here and tell me a little bit more about the gift and dig deeper into it? That's the beauty of us telling our stories and walking together is experiencing the fullness that we have in the gift of Jesus Christ. We want to be free, but so many times we come back over here because we believe the lie of you're not worthy. You're not a treasured possession. Your dad doesn't care about you. You're whatever the lies are that you believe that kind of whisper in your ear. That God says, listen, I've freed you from that. I've freed you from that. And there's others that are saying, listen, you don't have to go back to that anymore. Experience the freedom that you have in Christ. Even in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about you. If you're a follower of Jesus, he has come to steal your joy, to kill your life, and to destroy your testimony. Why? Because if he does those things, you can't tell about the goodness of God. You're going to struggle with telling about the goodness of God. Because if he can steal, kill, and destroy you, you can't tell of those things. And listen, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life that is rich and satisfying. And somewhere around the world, I don't know when and where, we have bought into the fact that the thief is the Ten Commandments. That the thief is God trying to steal our joy, to kill our fun, to whatever it is. And God saying, listen, no, I have given you the greatest gift in the entire world, and it gives you freedom. It gives you a rich and satisfying life, and it moves you, and it provides guardrails to move you toward Jesus, where you can have the life above all lives, that you don't have shame, you don't have pain, you don't have regret, you don't have embarrassment, you don't have all these things because you're living over here, No, you have freedom in Christ over here, and I want you to live over here, and over here is a rich and satisfying life, but you haven't even pulled the gift out to understand it. You were okay with just being called a Christian. Jesus says, I have so much more for you than just a label. I want you to understand what it means to be free and to live in Christ and to have a rich, satisfying life, and you may have money, you may not have money. But here's what you know, you will follow me and you will experience everything and even more than you could possibly imagine by just following me in the simple ways and just doing the things that I've asked you to do. The Ten Commandments is not a prison bars. They're traffic laws. The Ten Commandments are not prison bars they're traffic laws. I mean, if you've seen anything about what it was like when people started first driving, it was chaos. Because people were like, hey, my horse is bigger than your horseless carriage. We're gonna, and all kinds of stuff was happening. They were stacking up. Why? Because they thought that, hey, I'm the best. I've got whatever. And finally somebody came along and said, hey, listen, we gotta put a yield sign up. We gotta put a stop sign up. We gotta put up some different things. And what happened? Traffic began to flow. Same thing as with the Ten Commandments. It isn't, with that, our hearts will just kind of be in a big old jammed up mess. And God says, listen, I've given you the Ten Commandments so that you can live life to the fullest and know how to worship me and love me and to take care of your neighbors as well. The Ten Commandments aren't prison bars, but are traffic traffic laws. The Ten Commandments are not instructions on how to get out of Egypt. Again, I think one of the views of Christianity is that if we check off some boxes and if we do all of the right things... That God will love me, God will save me, God will do whatever. And we're kind of working on this thing of where we've got the scales of balance. And that if I do enough good things and that that's how God loves us, that's exactly the opposite. As a matter of fact, if you're working off of that system, you're over here in Egypt. And you're trying to earn your works. You're trying to do enough good things so that you can hopefully, God will see you one day and go, oh, he's 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 made it. His, his scale is high enough. Let's get him out now. When in reality, that's works. But the only way that you can get out of Egypt is you just say yes to Jesus and receive the free gift that Jesus is walking through. And he's saying, I have a free gift. And he's not checking your balance of scales. The Ten Commandments aren't something that you check off to find freedom. It's actually what we live in, the directions for free people to stay free. That's what the Ten Commandments are. The law comes after the good news. They'd already been freed from Egypt and then they received The commandments. So many people, so many times even us, we view Christianity as I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. Because we're still trying to earn the favor of God. When in reality, he's already freed us, he loved us, and he chose us, and he pulled us out, and he set us over here to enjoy the rich and satisfying life. And we're still trying to earn salvation or whatever it is we're trying to earn to get out of slavery. And we're already, he sees us over here. Salvation... Is not the reward for obedience. Hear me. Salvation is not the reward for obedience. Salvation is the reason for obedience. That we live out of the fact of what he has done for us. John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. In other words, if you hear what I'm saying, I will see obedience. If you love me, you will respond Our only doing is because of what he has first done for us. We respond to the amazing grace. We respond to the love that he has for us. And because of what we've experienced in him, we respond to that. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. He doesn't want robots. He wants us to respond out of love and understanding who he is and what he's done for us. That's why he says, know my commandments. Know my heart. Know what I want for you. Know what I've done for you. And out of that. You will live life. Live my, live the commands. So for us as followers of Jesus, what I hope for you as we do this study over the next few weeks is you're not thinking that Pastor Chris is going, check off the boxes. Obviously, I don't want you to steal. Obviously, I don't want you to cheat. All right, all those different things. But one of the things that Jesus consistently talks about is that, hey, you know those rules. But have those rules transformed your heart? That is what he was telling that young man. So young man, you you know the rules. You've studied them. You've known them. You've never crossed that boundary. However, have they transformed your heart enough that you're willing to give up what you have built up for yourself on earth to follow me? What is your most valuable possession, young man? Young man, young woman, what is your most valuable possession? Are you willing to give that up to follow me. That's what Jesus is asking. And the Ten Commandments show us what it means to love God and pursue him and to care and to love for our neighbors. Live the commands. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you've brought us from Egypt and slavery to freedom. Father, we thank you that we don't have to earn our salvation by trying to do more good things than bad. It's an impossibility. Father, I thank you for the gift that we have in Christ. Father, may we experience it. May we pull that gift out of the box. May we enjoy it. May we spend day after day and week after week experiencing the resource and the gift that we have in Jesus. The relationship, the depth of the relationship that we can have with you through Jesus. Father, the ability to, to express our concerns and our hurts and our pains to you. The Father, our needs and our wants that maybe it is that we just need some financial help. And Father, that, listen, you say, ask for and you will, we will receive. As your children, you're for us, not against us. But Father, we don't even, many times, we never even take the gift out of the box. And we ask why and we ask what. And Father, the answers are there. We just need to seek and to know and express and to, and to understand the gift that you've given us in Jesus. Father, I pray this morning and these next few weeks as we study your word and study your commandments that we fall deeper in love with you. And we do that as Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. And that our neighbors and our friends will see us loving you and obeying you and want to know who this Jesus is. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Crosspoint Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus for more about Crosspoint Community Church you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org have a great week